and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Abhinav Kolhe and Sudhakar Pamaraju from Cognizant join us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode, we're going to explore the building blocks to developing a resilient digital core and how automation helps businesses manage through crisis. So welcome, Avinov and Sudhakar to the program. First off, Cognizant is one of the world's leading professional services companies, and with more than 200,000 employees globally. You benefit from seeing how a lot of different companies in different regions, in different industries, have responded to the challenges created by the pandemic. Maybe you can start by giving us some background on your roles and how the automation and transformation market has shifted due to the current environment. I hate to call it the new normal, and I've done my best to avoid calling it that, but all indicators suggest that this is the way it's going to be for a while. Asudakar, do you want to start? Will do, John. Hello. Glad to be on this podcast, John. I lead the North American Digital Operations and IPA Advisory Practice at Cognizant. Uh, been with Cognizant for the last uh, four years, John, and uh, I've been uh, in the advisory consulting practice of strategy and operations all my life. Great, Sudhakar. Now, Abhinav, you are a bit more focused on automation in your work. So I'm interested to hear how your perspective on the impact of the current crisis and how it is shifting thinking on automation among your clients. Hey, John, thanks for having me. I have been part of Cognizant for 20 plus years now and lead the technology office for intelligent automation practice at Cognizant. As part of my current role, I am responsible for practice development on advanced technologies like AI, ML, BPM, analytics, mining and discovery tools. Um, so to answer your question straight, John, um, I think let me first acknowledge that no automation technology can address all the business impacts of COVID-19. We have seen in the recent past the way uh, things have changed. It feels as if we have vaulted five years forward in this pandemic, right, from a digital adoption standpoint. The transition looks so very visible to all of us, right? If you look at banks, we see how smoothly they have transitioned to the remote sales and services teams and how have they launched digital channels to engage their customers for making flexible payments of their loans and mortgages. Another popular example is our schools, right? Our kids go there. Schools have pivoted to 100% online learning and digital classrooms. Doctors is another example in our common life, right? They've begun delivering telemedicine aided by more flexible regulations. These are just a few examples of how companies and businesses are pivoting in the current crisis. Two or three important things I would like to highlight as to how they would further pivot their journey. First of all, companies will need to ensure that their digital channels are on par to succeed in the current environment. Uh, secondly, I think as economy rolls back in, in the next few months, I would say probably demand recovery will be unpredictable. There would be uh, uneven uh, spread of uh, recovery across geographies, across products, uh, customer segments, uh, whatnot, right? So essentially, this will complicate matters for leaders as they grapple the way to deal with an uneven recovery that is going to that they are going to see, right? Historical data 
and forecasting models that they may have built in the past may not actually work because they don't know how uh, uncertain the recovery could be, right? So new data models have to be built, new analytical engines have to be built, which will make life easier for operations. So essentially, to answer your question, automation first, digital first mindset will be an absolute essential uh, center stage that, that companies will have to prepare for. But we, we are seeing an upsurge in lot of, from a lot of customers in terms of hyper-automation use cases. And so are questions around what kind of new platforms and toolkits should we actually bring to the table to deliver hyper-automation use cases. With all the buzz around hyper-automation, I believe it was Gartner that labeled it the number one strategic technology trend for 2020. As a global service provider, how do you characterize hyper-automation? And more importantly, what are the different components that a leading enterprise should be utilizing? Yeah, absolutely. So in very simple terms, John, I would say hyper-automation is an end-to-end automation accomplished by harnessing the power of multiple technologies from RPA to machine learning to AI to process mining and discovery tools, which essentially enables automation for virtually any repetitive task as well as cognitive tasks for business users. Hyper-automation goes beyond deploying bots for individual tasks. It is no longer uh, just task-based automation. Uh, We are talking about a connected enterprise-wide change program that connects multiple teams, multiple work streams across an enterprise. The hyper-automation platform uh, consists of many tools, right? Like some of the tools could be BPM platforms like APN, low-code, low-code platforms like Power Automate as an example, or Uncork, Mendix-type platforms, process mining discovery tools like Fortress IQ, Solenoise, AIML tools and platforms, all of these toolkits integrated and stitched together in a common fabric. Right? That's what a hyper-automation platform would essentially look like. And one of the most key attributes of that platform would be the ability to loop in humans in the process. Right? So we call it human in the loop. So typically, that's what is one of the most important uh, attributes of a hyper-automation platform as well. Now, getting back to this concept of resiliency, Sudhakar, I saw a report in the Harvard Business Review a few months back that noted companies that had a better understanding of their processes, that had taken time to map their workflows, were less impacted by supply chain disruptions during the early stages of the global shutdown. They knew exactly which suppliers, sites, parts, and products were at risk, which allowed them to put themselves first in line to secure constrained inventory and capacity on alternate sites. I'm curious if you've seen other business areas where hyper-automation has supported resiliency. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, Recently, a leading U.S. uh, airline company used virtual agents instead of its human agents to quickly implement a way to process all refund requests caused by flight cancellations at the onset of the pandemic and speeding the resolution, saving time, lowering cost, and more importantly, improving customer experience. And uh, an insurer applied the NLP techniques along with the smart data ingestion tool using scanning technologies to analyze policy terms to assess the impact of COVID. This allowed them to capture the data, extract it, interpret the information from documents, deal with cancellation requests, chain the coverages, and address increasing transaction volumes. Obviously, this has made their customers happy and improved customer experience. One more example is a large bank in India 
used uh, NLP and AI-based solutions to implement a government-mandated loan amortization program. Uh, this gave uh, the bank's customers the option to delay their loan and credit payments. These solutions uh, were actually used to rewrite loan agreement documents and communicate with customers. Uh, doing so, the bank was actually able to reduce call volume significantly by diverting the most frequent requests uh, to self-service channels, uh, to online FAQs and forms. Now, coming back to the supply chain, right? Predicting supply chain disruptions. So we have seen uh, this two-step process have measurable operational impact uh, during the pandemic. One leading US-based uh, pharmaceutical company we work with uh, used process mining and uh, machine learning to predict supply disruptions, automating alerts for inventory management and monitoring its supply chain. This actually helped uh, this pharmaceutical company to identify vendors with potentially restricted shipments. It also identified countries with higher risk, then implemented automatic alerts for open purchase orders based on the risk. It also allowed this pharmaceutical company's purchasing function to continuously predict cycle times and flag delivery time risks, helping it with production planning. John. Now, to take advantage of these use cases, a company needs to implement some programs or initiatives. I'm a big fan of frameworks because they can really jumpstart a project and often provide a proven path to success. In terms of a framework for building a resilient digital core, I saw Cognizant promoted recently uh, six building blocks to creating a resilient digital core. Could you recap the approach for us and provide some color on the best practices? Absolutely, John. Yeah, me too. I'm also a big fan of uh, frameworks because uh, Cognizant, all our frameworks are uh, mostly driven by uh, execution-led experiences. And the one we are talking about here is the six building blocks for a resilient digital core. There are six. I'll probably cover five of those and let uh, Abhinav take the sixth one. Uh, the very first one is, is to establish uh, a service demand catalog to understand end-to-end -end value chain of the processes across all the departments with a backlog of potential interventions to address bottlenecks through automation, right? Uh, including process mining, uh, process simplification, process standardization, and business improvement techniques. That's the first one, establishing service demand catalog. The second one is very critical is uh, managing the outcomes. There should be a clear understanding of what is success, define process metrics, success criteria, linked to all the digital initiatives downstream. This, I believe, some of the companies are not paying significant attention. That's very critical to make sure the outcomes are managed. The third component of this framework is gaining as a sponsorship uh, from key stakeholders. In this case, we're talking about uh, sponsorship from each layer of management to drive the digital agenda. In terms of training of resources, executing projects, and also realizing uh, the outcomes or the benefits that have been established. As we all know that uh, when we are going through this digital disruption and trying to be resilient, change management is very critical, right? So the fourth one, I would say, manage change and communicate, develop a very clear communication strategy. Developing these protocols to articulate goals, educate resources, uh, will actually help create enthusiasm across the business and all the stakeholders by showcasing success stories, describing the benefits, the power of their involvement, acknowledging associates, and developing uh, their skill sets. The next one is about a talent upskill. 
right? Upskilling and reskilling the resources is critical. Uh, many IPA tools demand little to no coding. However, right, that's said, companies need focused teams that include data modelers, process mining specialists, architects, and developers. A prevailing trend, uh, John, is to improve the skills of process associates to handle simple automation deployment. And these are the five uh, elements of the framework I covered, and I'll let uh, uh, Abhino touch on the platform and technology. Yeah, uh, sure, Sudhakar. So uh, choosing the right platform and technology for for building a resilient core is absolutely essential, John, I would say, right? Uh, obviously, uh, many companies do it the, the way they think is right. Uh, but but what we have seen through our experiences is that uh, appointing a steering committee uh, to represent uh, operating businesses, the IT, the CXO stakeholders, and how do you bring and organize a strong vendor ecosystem to to create that technology capability for smart orchestration is what it is all about. How do you choose a platform or a technology? What I am seeing in, in the real world right now is that choosing the right hyper, hyper automation toolkit is basically being followed uh, in such a way that people, uh, customers uh, tend to follow an RPA vendor's toolkit. Many a times that is what is happening. Right? Uh, and uh, through our experiences, what we believe the right approach should be to first look inside, right? What is the delta gap of tools that uh, that exist uh, already in your enterprise versus what uh, are available in the market? Do that delta gap analysis, identify the differences, talk to your IT stakeholders, right? Uh, and and I, I can give you some examples, right? For example, every organization would have a BPM platform in play, right? Every organization would have some kind of OCR toolkit that they may have already implemented in in their previous life, right? Or they may have an analytics or AI ML platform through uh, enabled through your data science data sciences center of excellence. So the point I'm trying to make is that don't just blindly follow an RP just because you have an RPA tool and that vendor has got a hyper automation platform. It is not necessary that you just choose that platform to be your hyper automation platform. It could be well a choice that you make based on what you already have. Uh, do a delta gap and then figure out how can you integrate and stitch all of these things together. So that I think is one of the key learnings from uh, our experience on ground. John. That is very helpful and the approach makes a lot of sense. We will make sure to provide a link in the show notes to the article for anyone interested in exploring the model in more detail. Uh, in terms of reskilling, just one comment. You know, Too often we hear the fear of automation is going to be this massive job killer and, and major disruptor. You know, I try to advocate a more utopian view of technology and my hope and, and belief is that hyper automation and related technologies, you know, ultimately aid the worker by allowing them to focus on, on higher value work and eliminate the more tedious tasks from their daily work activities. But that's probably a topic for another episode. To recap today's conversation with Abhinav Kolhe and Sudhakar Pramaraju from Cognizant, uh, certainly one of the largest and, you know, most importantly, you know, one of the most admired and innovative companies in the professional services market. We got great insight on how process automation helps businesses manage through times of crisis and explored the building blocks to developing a resilient digital core uh, to help companies navigate and, and ultimately thrive in challenging times. So thank you, Abhinav and Sudhakar, for joining me today. I want to give you the opportunity to make a, a closing comment or provide some final thoughts. But uh, also, I have one final question for you. 
I'm a bit of an information junkie and always looking for the latest and greatest resources. So my final question to you is, you know, what resources, website, newsletter, podcast, email blast, framework, anything at all, do you rely on most to be successful and knowledgeable in your role? Abhinav, why don't you start us off? So to answer your question, John, yeah, I absolutely. My, I think my current work uh, that I do uh, in terms of practice development gives me the most amount of knowledge and be on top of things when it comes to automation, uh, hyper automation and stuff like that and topics like that. Right? Uh, I think, I mean, obviously many people follow some of the popular research firms like Gartner's and HFS of the world typically. I also do follow uh, on Twitter a person by the name Cassie Kezerov. She is the head of decision intelligence at Google. And I typically follow her for her analytics, her topics on analytics, the way she talks on analytics. You should you should just listen to her. You will be just amazed by the clarity of thought she brings around topics like statistics versus analytics and how these topics differ and stuff like that. Right. So that's that's what I typically do, apart from my talking to uh, vendor partners, uh, looking at CV insights, looking at the top AI vendors in the market. Uh, doing capability uh, understanding of their presentations. And I happen to be uh, doing the same talk with Fortress IQ as well. So that's my uh, two cents on that. That's great, Abhinav. How about you, Sudhakar? Any final insights and your go-to resource for staying ahead of the curve? Obviously, one of my go-to resources is Abhinav and his team are on top of it, and we follow that. In addition to that, right, uh, John, is uh, I always stay active on the social media, be it uh, LinkedIn or podcast or TED Talks. Constantly, I try to dedicate set aside some time to go to social media and all sorts of social media. That's one. Uh, we also regularly talk to our vendors, partners, clients uh, to understand what's happening in the landscape. That's one more source of data for us. In addition to that, Cognizant has a, a central research team that collects data from multiple sources and provides us that data. That's awesome. For reference, my resource this episode that I can't miss is MIT's The Download Daily Email Brief. Touches on a lot of current topics around AI. Just a great daily read to get a quick check on the industry. Uh, We'll be sure to put a link to all the resources recommended in the show notes. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you, Fortress IQ, for sponsoring. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.